Hello and welcome to another episode of Dawncast. I'm Dai Lee. So today's uh, guest is Min Bui. Uh, from Vietnam to the world, let's unite to fight Corona is a catch cry that is coined by Min Bui's uh, single. Uh, he's also known as Min Beta uh, in, in Vietnam. But he's transformed his popular 2011 single, Vietnam Oi, into Let's Fight COVID, the official anthem endorsed by the Vietnam's Department of Health. Uh, the song also highlights Vietnam's amazing success uh, story with keeping COVID-19 virus contained. In addition to his musical talent, uh, Bui is a very successful entrepreneur and businessman uh, with Beta Cinemas and Beta Media. So welcome to our Dawncast program, uh, Min, is, do I call you Min Beta or, or Boy Min? What's the correct uh, <laughs> address? It's, it's up to you. Uh, I'm happy if you call me Min Beta. I think that's that's fine. You're more known as Min Beta, so I'll call you Min Beta. So thank you. All right. <laughs> so look, your original uh, song Vietnam Oi was already a huge success, I believe, in Vietnam after the uh, its anthem-like connection with the success of the Under Twenty Three Vietnam football team in twenty eighteen. Is that right? Yep. Uh, how yep. did this happen? How did it become such a a, a great hit? You know, I wrote the song back in twenty eleven. That was when I was getting ready to go to America to do my MBA. So I got into uh, Harvard to do my MBA there. And, you know, I, I got really emotional at that time because I didn't know whether I would return to Vietnam to work afterwards or not. I felt like, you know, maybe after my study, I would want to stay back in the U.S. and, and continue my career there. So I got really emotional and I sat down and wrote the song and I released it. Uh, it was my first single ever. Um, oh. And people loved it, right? Uh, people loved it, and they, they, they. I think I, I got a lot of um, success out of it initially, but at the same time, the song continued to grow in in people's hearts, and even until this day, the song is still heavily played in in different channels, and and especially when there are public events. Uh, People love it. I think. I think the reason why people love it is just because I, I wrote that without any intention of making it a hit. You know, like I just wrote it because I felt like those are the the words and the emotion that I want to convey, and it's more like a tribute to my country. Mm. And then, but you came back, so you you didn't stay in the US. <laughs> you came back to to Vietnam. Yeah. Uh, I did. Um, after my uh, my study in 2014, I, I decided to go back um, because I felt like there are so many things in Vietnam that I can do to contribute and to build a career here. And so I went back to, to start a cinema chain. You know, back then in Vietnam, the yeah. cinemas are usually very expensive, yeah. um, you know, and, and, and ticket price were like four or five dollars. Uh, and that is quite expensive for a lot of Vietnamese people uh, who do not have um, high incomes. Mm. So I felt like, you know, with hundred millions of people and a lot of people who are having uh, middle or low income, it's, it's such a big market to tap into. And, and so the idea of uh, cinema, affordable cinema concept came into my mind and I, I decided to pursue that idea. and, and Fast forward today, I'm, I'm running a chain of um, 13 locations and we recently closed a funding round with a Japanese fund um, to expand further. So I'm living my dream. 
Wow. Well, we'll come back to your cinema chain, uh, but let's uh, go to the the reversion of of Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And you reversioned that to say, let's fight COVID. And I believe it has continued to take the world by storm with nearly 11,000 views, 11, views um, since it was released in April. Uh, how did this come about? How did you uh, revision it? So the, the, the new version actually got um, 6 million views Whoa. on YouTube. Okay, yeah, that, that uh, I think you are, you're checking the, the, the wrong link. <laughs> the wrong link. Like, there, there, there are so Whoa, many uh, no. sort of like cop, copycat versions of it. Um, the, the main version got uh, 6 million views on YouTube. And I think on a, on a local platform on Zing, uh, it got like 30 million views or something. And then it, 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 it reached the, the top chart for, for a few weeks. Um, uh, yeah, so that song, I uh, that is like my second single. Basically, I after the first song, Vietnam Oi came out. I didn't really pursue my singing career so much, and then and then COVID happened, and then you know I have to close all my cinemas. I didn't know what to do, and you know things came to a halt. Um, and so I get my my music career a try. <laughs> so I, I I thought a lot about what I can do at that time, and there were not many things I can do given the situation. Um, but the idea of rewriting the song to to sort of push our message for the general public came into my mind when um, you know Gankovi became so popular. You know the 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 other song of Vietnam that. Um, the artist rewrote the lyrics and and, and push it out and, and sort of like try to convey a message about washing hands. Um, so that idea came into my mind. I was like, okay, so people love my song Vietnam Oi and, and it has such a positive message to it. Why don't I use it and, and try to sort of make it useful for the public? That is the only thing productive that I could do at that time and given the situation. Um, so that's what I did. And luckily the government... Um, got on board with me they they decided to endorse the project officially uh the minute the ministry of health decided to endorse the project and they helped me to get through the process of you know finding out what is the right message to send out um giving me a lot of consultation and feedback on on the really on the lyrics yeah because you had a lot of facts uh stating how and why vietnam has managed to retain such low numbers um, in 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 the song, I believe. So, it, and and what what do you think were the key success, um, you know, for Vietnam to continue to maintain to contain the virus? What what were some of the key successes? Do you reckon? I think that's uh, the word is unity. Uh, we were united in a way that we all believed that we could do it. Uh, we all united in the sense that we are going to be in this together. So no one can really say that they are not involved in the whole process. So Vietnam, in a sense, uh, were very united in the action that we took and also in the belief that we can do this together as a nation. And we trust in our government and we trust in the officials and we trust in the actions that were taken by the government. And also we took responsibility ourselves to be a part of the whole effort um, of fighting COVID. And, and I think what happened showed that the unity uh, helped us to get through. And so were the the government obviously announced lockdown as well, like in, in other parts of the world, 
you know, businesses were locked down, people weren't going to work. Uh, a lot of businesses really, as you mentioned, like we will talk to, uh, we'll talk about your cinemas later, but you had to shut down as well. So a lot of the businesses had to shut down as well in Vietnam? Yeah, we, we had to completely lock down the nation for a few weeks. So, so uh, for businesses like mine, we have to close for even much longer period. I believe that we had to close for months. Um, and, and there were times when we couldn't get out the house, when we had to stay inside, uh, no activities at all. It was difficult. Um, as I believe in Australia as well. You, you, you guys also experienced that. So mm-hmm. it was difficult. It was not easy. So it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of um, faith and it takes a lot of uh, determination for everyone to be able to sort of follow through with all that. So how did the government enforce um, social distancing? Um, and I believe they had the, uh, the military uh, amongst various communities. Is, was that right? Yeah, but I, I don't think military was um, the key component. Um, I think it's more about making sure that people know the right message and making sure people understand how important it is to, 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 to play a part. Um, and I also think, you know, with the songs and with all the information that the government is um, is providing for people, um, people got the message. And we know that we are not a wealthy nation. We don't have a lot of uh, resources to fight with COVID if things escalate and, and became the point where uh, it's out of control. So we, we knew that and the government knew that and the people here knew that. So we... As a whole, we took action early and we understand the, 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 the consequence otherwise. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I think that helps. What um, I think in Australia, I can't remember the figure, but we had just over about 100 um, deaths. Um, in Vietnam, what were the numbers? What were the figures uh, that you heard or you would be aware of? Because obviously working with the Department of Health who endorsed your song and the message that you were sending out, mm. uh, you would be aware of the figures in terms of those yeah. who were infected and those who, 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 who died as a result of COVID-19? I believe the total number of people who got infected were in the range of about 300-something and no death. So no one dies um, from this uh, so far, do you, do you, and, and hopefully it's going to stay that way. Yeah, you, you know what I, I mentioned to somebody. I said, "Oh, I've, I'm going to speak to somebody in Vietnam," and I, apparently, uh, no, there was no death in Vietnam. They said, "Oh, you know, you know, they're not telling us the root true figures. They're hiding it." Do you think that's the case? I mean, like, surely if you had somebody who died as a COVID nineteen, everybody would be talking about it. Uh, I, I think it's impossible to contain that sort of information because nowadays, you know, people will have Facebook and they, they can quickly update people around them, anything that is suspicious or could happen around here. So it's not possible to contain that sort of information, I believe. And, and there's no incentive for the government here to do so because they need to build trust, especially now. I know that, you know, there are times and there are situations when people question certain information that any government would give out. But in this particular situation, by working with the Ministry of Health, I, 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 can, I, can, I can have that confidence that 
people in the government in Vietnam understand that it's time to make sure that they build trust within the community, within the nation, to make sure that any information they release is accurate. Because they understood that that is the only way that we can together fight this. Because if there's any sort of um, um, mistrust, then it's going to be impossible for for the government and for the nation to, to march together if something gets out of control. Was there a backlash uh, by in the you know within the um, the community or in the country from people when when the government got really um, you know put put down very strict measures no social you know in terms of social distancing uh, were there a, a public back, backlash at all or people kind of took it and understood it and 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 listened basically to the to the government directives there were no no there were no sort of backlash or a major outburst of anything violent or crazy um, I, I don't think that happened um, here did you have any I don't know if you've seen it in Australia we had uh, people rushing to the supermarkets to uh, hoard toilet rolls did you <laughs> Vietnam experience anything any such hoarding of people panic buying any hmm. panic buying in uh, Vietnam I, I think I think at the beginning there there was some panic buying for for face masks because people were worrying that they're not going to be enough face masks uh, for them to to get through and um, but then you know because we produce a lot of things here ourselves so even with face masks we have such a high supply like a very um, large quantities of supply for people to be able to sort of get what they want so. Uh, quickly, people realize that they don't have to do that. Um, yeah, in the, in the beginning, people were, were quite you know panicking, and they they rushed to the the uh, pharmacy to try to buy as many face masks as possible, and they were hoarding, and they were like trying to sell it at high prices on the internet. But then quickly, you know, only a few days after that, they realized that there's no need for that, and then I think that sort of died down, and then people learned from that. So. There, and then I think after the first few weeks, there was some sort of mild panic buying of rice and all the essential food items. But then the same the same scenario happens. People started to realize that hey, we we have so much rice in the country. <laughs> <laughs> we we are the major exporter. Rice, yeah. So there's, there's there's no need. I mean, for 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 basic um, uh, supplies, I don't think Vietnam has uh, any concern in that sense. Uh, well, so so that's, our, that, that's a lucky thing for us. At least, at least they weren't going out rushing to buy toilet papers. <laughs> yeah, I, I, we could not really understand it. Um, there, there was some uh, explanation that I read online that maybe because toilet papers are just something that people can, can detect easily from other people's baskets. So they, so they sort of like, it's sort of like a herd mentality. They, they think that, you know, that is something that they should buy too. So that sort of escalates. <laughs> so, so, so when you heard about that, were you kind of really uh, kind of curious, kind of like amazed at why people would be hoarding toilets? Were you a bit surprised? I mean, anyone would be, right? And and, and that's why I, 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 I try to read about it. And that's why I, I, I hear that uh, sort of explanation. Uh, and, and also in the video, in the music video, you see there's a, there's a scene when actually one guy sort of like just snatch um, 
a roll of toilet paper out the the supermarket shelf. So that didn't really happen in Vietnam. Um, it was more like just me poking fun at the situation. Now, there was a statement of, in the video as well that says the state security department applied an extensive public observation system what was what did you mean by that or you know is is there a kind of cctv cameras everywhere which i doubt but uh no <laughs> what 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 was all uh, can you go into detail about that i think uh what they did was that they were using the the local authorities down to the very deep level so even with your neighborhood we always always have like uh which is like the uh, uh the leader of that neighborhood yeah. kind of thing local uh yeah. and so yeah and so local authority very very local level so they have a, a network of all that so any anything happen anything weird would be reported uh, any people with strange symptoms any people who you know got back to vietnam recently uh, So anything suspicious, anything that could have led to a risk would be reported. And and, and so that system works well. Mm-hmm. Now, um, going just, we we're going to focus a bit about you now, um, more okay. a little bit about you. Um, now, you were a math student in high school at Hanoi, then received an AusAid full scholarship from Australia, studied at Sydney University. Um, yeah. What did you study and how did you find Australia? Uh, I did economics and finance uh, in Sydney Uni. And it was one of the best time of my life, honestly, because I I haven't been to any country outside Vietnam before then. So Australia was just amazing because it's very developed. It's very different, uh, very clean, very orderly. Um And it was a it was such a an overwhelming experience too because I was a kid I was nineteen never got out of the nation uh, and then I went there and I have to like adapt to a new lifestyle and learn so many new things my English was not that great back then you know I barely passed the the test for English um, so so I I had so much to learn uh, but I think those four years at Sydney University really shaped me as a person I became very capable of change and and very flexible in my mindset and thinking and appreciative of different things in life um, and then so it set me at the right direct tra- trajectory right it sets me in the right direction to keep growing in my life as a person and as a businessman. Mm. So did you, obviously you would have, four years here, you would have made a lot of contacts here in in Australia, in Sydney. Uh, do you still maintain, you know, connect with some of those people that you have connected up with? Yeah, I, I have uh, good friends in, in Australia, uh, mostly uh, of Vietnamese background, you know, um, I have friends living in Cabramada, um, friends living in, <laughs> are you from yes, there? Um, <laughs> do you know that I, do you know that I used to sing at Cabraville? No, really? <laughs> yeah, oh I, I, I won a singing contest there. Oh my I won God. a singing contest there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, uh, well, I think, I think Tina, Tina was uh, running the yes, program. Yes, yes, I know Tina. Uh, I know Tina. Tina was, I love her. She's such an amazing artist. Like, 
when you talk to her, you would recognize how cool she could be on stage. Yeah. And then she came on stage, and she's just like blossom. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's amazing to see her in action. Well, well, you know, just to let you into a little not a secret, but that's uh, Cabramatta. Uh, Cabravel is within the state seat on air of Cabramatta, where I am mm-hmm. an elected councillor, which is um, at Ngiving. Uh, uh, Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah for, for, uh, that's, that's a Vietnamese word for councillor, guys. Um, so I'm yeah. elected at local level. As you know, in Australia, we have three level of government, and I'm at the local level, and my aim is state and then federal. But so Cab- Vale is within the uh, Fairfield Council area where I'm elected councillor, and and my aim is to get into the state level, which is the state parliament. So um, nice. I, I hope you come Congrats back. Congrats and good luck. <laughs> yes, well, that's it. You might have to do a song for me. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I hope, you know, when COVID is over, I can come back to uh, Cabra Mata and then go sing in Cabra Vale. Maybe you, I'll sing you a song. Yeah, would love to. <laughs> would love to. I can't wait for that. So, so, right. Yeah, so where did you go after after Sydney, uh, after Cabra Mata? You know, I'm sure nothing else compared <laughs> uh, to Cabra Mata. <laughs> So I I finished my study uh, from Sydney University, and because I because I went through a scholarship program, so I couldn't really stay. And also, I, I kind of want to go out and explore the world more. So I went to Singapore to work for two years uh, as a commodity trader. So I worked in in finance and trading. Um, and then after two years, I I left the job to go back to Vietnam to start my first business which is a, a chain of uh, donut stores. Yeah, do, do, uh, Doco, Doco Donuts. Cake. Yeah, yeah, Doco wow, Donuts and Coffee. Jane. Wow. Um, you know, how did that come about? What, what, what made you go into a, um, a donut chain? I love donuts, by the way, but I know it's very fattening. Okay. It's very fattening. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think it was like a, it's like a, a, a trend back then in Asia. Uh, there were so many... Um, donut shops popping up in Singapore and Malaysia back then. And I, 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 I thought a lot about what I wanted to do with my life. And after two years in, in Singapore, I felt like I am not fit for a corporate job. Um, I wanted to do something more creative because there's, a, there's, a, there's this artistic side of me that want to create all the time. Um, so I didn't really feel that happy with my job uh, at, at the company in Singapore. Uh, so I, I left the job and I tried to, to decide to find something to do. Um, and then I saw a lot of, you know, these donut shops and people were queuing up for them and it got me curious. I was like, why are people buying these simple cakes that could be made easily at such a high price. <laughs> so I, I, I thought a lot about that and I kept learning about, you know, the idea, the concept and, you know, what they're selling is not just the cakes, but they, what they're selling is a lifestyle. Um, and I thought, okay, this is new in Vietnam. No one did it before. Uh, it's very cool. The younger people would love it. Uh, I could introduce this to Vietnam. And it's, 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 like I can start small enough, right? I didn't have enough, a lot of money back then. So I felt like to open a small donut shop is, is like I can afford that. And even if I fail, that's fine. So I, I, I followed through, right? I, I applied for a job working as a baker in a, in a donut store in Singapore uh-huh. uh, to sort of learn the tricks and like learn how to make it and all the 
techniques behind because I, I, I don't have any background in baking or anything whatsoever. Um, but I want to learn. So I jump into it and then I, I learn and then I got uh, some connection in Singapore who helps me to learn more about the business. So I went back to Vietnam and set up my own and, and I scale it to uh, six stores after three years. Wow. And, and then, and then the, the trends start to sort of fade away and the business is not as good as before. So I quickly, you know, sold the business. I didn't sell the whole company, but I sold like individual stores to different people to, to let them manage and keep running it and apply for my MBA. Yeah. So you then went to Harvard. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, in I, 2014. Yeah. I, yeah. I luckily got in my dream school. Um, you know, Harvard has been my dream school since I was a little kid. You know, how being a little kid in Vietnam, going to a good high school in Hanoi, you hear a lot of uh, stories about, you know, this guy and that girl went to this amazing school. And Harvard has always been like, you know, the, the best of the best, right? In yeah, the prestigious, uh, that's right, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's always been in my it's always always my dream school and I I, I try my best to apply for it and then I got in so dreams came true and then wow. it's just like pack my back and go. <laughs> wow, it must have been very difficult for your parents though. Like you constantly leaving. But they are happy. They are happy that I am. Uh, yeah, they're happy that I am living my dream and they're happy that I'm doing something inspirational for the younger generations in Vietnam to, to look up to. I think that is very uh, rewarding for me and for my parents. Mm. Now, so you, you, so you went to the American education system. Uh, so do you think, having been to Sydney University and studying it in Australia, what, what is the comparison between the two societies in, in, in terms of the education systems as well? How did you find? I think, so I went to Harvard Business School, which is the business school within the Harvard uh, University uh, system. It's very different, even in comparison with other American schools, because, um, you know, I, I did my MBA, which is a master. So all the classes were case studies. Um, so, so we don't have a lot of lectures. Right. It's mostly just just case studies. So we would read a lot of cases on different companies, different business problems, and then we would go to class and sort of just discuss it out, um, learning together and listening to other people's perspectives. And and so it's a very different experience um, compared to even other American schools. Um, and so it's it's, it's not comparable it's not it's not the same thing and also i went to sydney university to do my uh, undergrad so those were a lot of lectures you know and i was learning a more diverse set of subjects uh compared to now just business and also very practical in a way but what about the societies that you were learning from how different were those two societies <laughs> so so when i was in sydney university i was very in a way integrated into the the society in sydney but harvard is weird because it's a bubble you are in cambridge um outside boston and 
everyone around you are students. Uh, and, and we would go to school in the weekdays and then on weekends, we would just, you know, team up and get out of the US. <laughs> so we would be in, we would be in, you know, the Dominican Republic one weekend and then even Cuba the next and, you oh. know, just, it's crazy. Wow. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a very, it's a very weird experience in a way because we started to, um, so you weren't to see, of, so you weren't, yeah, yeah we, in, 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 in terms of in the American way of life, you weren't very, um, embedded in it or not embedded but integrated into it as you said in australia you're kind of part of the university but you're also part of uh the community and like you go to cabramatta as well but but in harvard did you go to an equivalent of cabramatta where would that be Uh, orange County. it has to be in orange county which is like the other side of the country yeah um it's it's just different you know uh and and, 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 and I think at Harvard, people like, people like me and, and my friends and my classmates, we started to see that we are not there to be in America. We are there to be in the world and we are there to find solutions and to find ways to change the world. So we become completely global ah, so in we, that sense. An international citizen. Oh, in, yeah, from an inter- yeah. Yeah, a global citizen. Mm, mm. Mm. Wow. So, so that 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 is really something that um, changed me as a person. I, I I started to see less borders, <laughs> and I see the world as one place. And and maybe right now, what I'm trying to do is like to solve certain problems in Vietnam because I have advantage here. I have connection. I understand how things are here. But it's not like I'm going to limit myself to only solving problems of Vietnam, I'm, I'm going to try to... Come to Australia to, and solve some of the problems we've got here. We've got plenty, I tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't know about that. I mean, I, I, I would love to come back and visit Australia. I actually did last year. Oh. I went back to Australia and, and have a trip and I, and I love it there. Um, I mean, there are problems anywhere, right? There yeah. are problems here in Vietnam. There are problems in the U.S. Yeah. I think what matters is um, how we choose to solve uh, those problems that are within our control and to understand that uh, life is beautiful because there are different sort of manifestations of different uh, things and, 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 and there are good and bad things all the time and they exist together. And, and so accepting that is also a part of uh, growing up. You but speak, at the same time, trying to... You speak my language. You speak my language, Demin. You speak my language. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The world is, with all of its um, ups and downs, the world is still a very beautiful place that we need to acknowledge and really, uh, as you said, you know, there are solutions to problems. It's about how to work together to find solutions to those problems rather than living in our own little bubbles and, um, and uh, you know, coming with a lot of judgment. Um, but so you graduate from your MBA at Harvard and then you went back to Hanoi and that's where you then started the chain of the Beta Cinemas for yeah. students and middle income earners. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I I saw a big opportunity, and that's why I came back and and started the first cinema. Uh, also, you know, back then I didn't know anything about cinema, so very similar to when I started the the donut chains. Uh, 
But this time, because I have my MBA, so what I know is that I can hire people to do it <laughs> <laughs> instead, yeah. instead of trying to do it myself. So, yeah. so I, I started to 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 hire um, people who have more knowledge and more um, expertise in the field than I do, and and I work with them. Mm. And so we got the first cinema up and running within six months after I came back, um, and then we keep fundraising and now we closed the third round funding recently with a Japanese fund. Mm. So what do you think is the key or what are the keys to Beta Cinema's uh, success? I think the key is that we serve a demographic that were before underserved and and so it's a, it, that in itself is a blue ocean. We didn't compete directly with all the other players in Vietnam at that time. And so we, we meet those uh, demands ourselves um, and we were the, the, the best service possible for those demographics given the pricing and the location that we operate in. Um, and, and so to keep the customers at the, at the heart of the business, of course, I mean, it's a cliche, everyone talks about it, but to keep reminding ourselves uh, of that is very important. And you, you mentioned earlier that COVID has really also impacted the cinema business as well. Um, how, how are you overcoming some of those challenges, the COVID-19 uh, challenges for beta cinemas? What are you doing in place now? Because are people coming out to watch the movies again or are you, what's, what's happening in that space in Vietnam? Um, so we can reopen our cinemas already now, but the traffic is not as good as before. I think traffic is only like one fourth of what it used to be. Uh, and also like the movie lineups are not good because, you know, a lot of studios just hold back on their releases and push back the dates. Um, when we had to close our cinemas, it was really difficult because we had no cash flow. Um, and, and a lot of costs, like fixed costs are still there and we still have, you know, to pay interest for the bank and all that. So cash flow was super difficult and, you know, my team got really panicking and we didn't know whether we can survive COVID or not. Uh, but there's a word that I keep telling everyone, you know, anything in life, any business can only exist because of one word, which is fate, right? So I met up with the bank and talk to them about how things are going to be with the cinema industry after COVID. So I have to make sure that every people involved uh, in the business one way or another, or either my employee or the bank or the investors or the landlords, I have to make sure that everybody knows that COVID is only temporary. The human race is going to be able to, to solve it one way or another. We will get through it. Uh, maybe it will take some time, but like it's not going to be there forever, and we'll get back to a somewhat like a, a new normal state. Um, so once I make sure everybody understood that, we work together to find solution. So maybe the bank can sort of push back the debts of uh, interest payment. The landlord can allow us to delay our rental or even waive the rent in certain periods of time. My employees even, you know, like they themselves actively ask for a, re a reduction in, in salaries. So everybody work together to make sure that the company can survive. 
and and I think that is the only way. And 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 so fit is so important because just if any party do not have that fit in the business, or in me, or in the team, or in the future of the cinema industry, or in the economy uh, at large, then it's not going to work. And 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 so that's how that's how we got through it, right? Like you know, by building that trust within ourselves and within each other, and look to the future and understand that COVID is only temporary, and what we have to keep in mind is to look forward, um, and then we can get through. And do you do you think you managed to convey the importance of having faith? Uh, you know, having faith in yourself, having faith that uh, that you will pull through, and you know, getting the bank or uh, or getting the landlord to say, having the faith in this business to pull through. Did did you manage to bring that faith to that discussion? I think the song did it right because <laughs> my 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 business was all closed down, and yet this you know yeah. Bing Beta came out with a song, <laughs> you know, cheering everyone up. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that sort of energy just uh, explains itself, and 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 so everyone um, can can sort of feel that energy, and and the song. People in Vietnam can feel that energy everywhere. Uh, if you were in Vietnam, you would hear that the song was played heavily on the radio. If you go to the supermarket, it's played everywhere. Uh, if, you, if you call someone on their on their phone, the ringtone would be by default the song. Oh, wow! <laughs> so, so, you can't so escape it. It was, it was there. It was there everywhere. You can't escape it. Was that right? <laughs> yeah, it's it's haunting. <laughs> uh, but but I think that energy is um, is something that people can feel and they can see that okay, even in those difficult times, uh, I can still gather my my strength and gather my positivity to sort of come up with a song that can cheer people up. So I think that that sense of faith. Is, is proven and they can sense it, they can feel it. And then one by one, it's like a snowballing effect, right? Like you, you see more and more of it and it becomes stronger and stronger. And, 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 and I use that to convince my Japanese investor as well. You know, initially they, they, they didn't feel like they wanted to go through with the investment. Yeah, but I was eventually say, we convinced them. Yeah, so you were able. So despite COVID nineteen, you were able to raise your third round. Yes, um, eight million dollars. Uh, we we complete the negotiation before COVID, and then we finished like we were finishing up the documentation, and and then COVID happens, and and so there was some reconsideration uh, because of COVID, and. And and so, yes, you can imagine. You know, the business was going through difficult time. Cash flow was difficult. The expected investment was going to come in, but then you know there were questions about it. It was a it was a dark point. It was a it was a low point for me and for the business. But but then now looking back, I think the only thing that could save myself and the company. Is uh, the, the the mentality? Is the attitude? Is the positivity that I have to restore within myself first, and that become the ignition, that that sparkle, that sort of 
uh, translate into other people's minds and, and, and they can spread that energy um, among the circle. And, 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 and then we got to the point where I can right now say that we are okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I have no doubt your family must be um, backing, backing your journey uh, and all what you're doing. They're, they're probably behind you 100%. Is that right? Um, I wouldn't say 100%. Sometimes <laughs> my parents are like, why do you have to work so hard? Why do you have to like push so, so many things? Why do you, you know, like, it's okay. You've got enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to try so hard. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, sometimes. But uh, because, you know, parents, sometimes they, they just want their kids to be happy. But then... I'm surprised. Being you, happy. I, I'm surprised your parents didn't say to you, you should have been a doctor or a lawyer. Do they say that to you sometimes? <laughs> uh, no. Oh, they, 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 they just want me to be happy. That's all. But uh, I think as I grow up, they started to see that being happy means different things to different people. Especially for me, I'm such an ambitious person. And what I, whatever I want to do, I always think about the impact of what I do. Um, and so they started to understand that my happiness is also about being able to work hard and to uh, contribute and to, be, to create an impact. And even if that means that I have to work a little bit harder or if I have to like stress out sometimes, that is also part of my happiness. <laughs> being stressful is being happy. Uh, yeah, it, it might sound weird, but, but yeah. this is this are the right dosage of stress. Yeah. Uh, I think I think having a little bit of stress, not too much, and also having a positive attitude about stress is also a part of being happy. What's your advice, do you think? I mean, you know, you, you've gone through the process of uh, setting up businesses and and knowing when to wind down and and with be it a cinemas having to have to shut down during the COVID. So you've seen a lot of the lows as well in, in business. What would the advice you would give to people who are uh, experiencing those lows moment when you think, well, can I survive this? You know, especially now with, with a lot of businesses that are questioning, should they close? Should they stay open? What should they do because of COVID-19? Because there's still no no there's no light at the end of the tunnel yet um yeah. especially in australia i don't know what's like in vietnam um but yeah what do you think people should think about and what people should do to maintain that spirit to continue on i think the way to think about it is that there are always the best decision that can be made given the time and the information that we know and sometimes waiting out is also a decision um, so if we do not have enough information and we have to wait out for more information, that's fine too. That's also a decision. Um, and even if it, sometimes we have to decide to, to cut loss, to close a business or to, to, to sort of just declare bankruptcy or whatever, um, that's fine. We can start again. We can um, continue with something else. We can find a, a job. We can, you know, continue with our life. And, the lows, the highs, you know, 
how I view it is that it's, it's part of the process of us becoming. Um, and in life, I don't think there's a destination. So the right attitude is to just accept that there are things that are within our control and we should try to make the best decision uh, of what is within our control. And then there are things that are not within our control. And we have to differentiate that and we have to accept that there are things that we cannot control and just be with it. So what's next for you? What's your um, next phase of your business, your life? Um, I still want to grow as an artist. So I'm learning, um, teach, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a lot of classes on acting and directing right now. So... I did produce some movies and I did act in some of them, but I am yeah. not very good. Yeah. Well, you got, I think you got uh, about four movie productions. Is that right? Um, yeah. 2017, 2018, 2018, 2020. One is called, I'll, I'll read in, in English because I, um, it's called Get Married, Bride for Rent, Husband Swap. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> A bookworm beauty. Um, so, what were you? What was? What were your roles in those? Um, in, in the process of, of those um, movies production, movie so, production. So I'm 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 the executive producer for all of them. So I'm I'm responsible for the production of all those four, and I'm acting in two of them. Mm. Um, yeah, in, in Get Married and and in Book on Beauty. So that one is coming out um, end of this year. I'm, I'm finishing up the production for that. Uh, but I myself think that I was not very good in, 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 in them as, as a producer or as an actor. I, I still think that I'm learning. Uh, I still think that I'm in the process of learning and getting better at those. Um, and for me, filmmaking is a, is a very long, lifelong process. It's not something that I want to do and be good right away. I don't think that's possible anyway. Uh, I'm willing to get on for the long haul and keep learning and developing myself um, in that in that career mm, so that's so we we're gonna see you more and more on 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 the screen is that what you're saying in the future you're gonna watch out for hopefully <laughs> hopefully but then but then my 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 main focus is always gonna be business um, because i I think for me uh, business can create so much impact and create so many uh, opportunities for people and also improve people's quality of life. Um, so that is something that I'm most passionate about. So being a businessman is always first and foremost my main focus. Um, but developing myself as an artist is a way for me to live a full life where I can fully develop and grow in different directions. And they can also help me to become a better businessman so 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 why not and and that is my way of experiencing life um, and to to be happy mm. um, i've got one last question before we wrapped up it's been a fantastic conversation with you by the way min thank you very much min beta um look uh what's your view about overseas vietnamese and you know how do you think local vietnamese you know view those who you know who've who, local vietnamese who've never left vietnam how do they view overseas vietnamese People like myself, for instance, um, what's your perspective? Um, so I went to Sydney and I hang out with a lot of overseas Vietnamese. So I'm close friends with them. 
So I, I understand that, you know, we might have different political views uh, on what happened and also on what is happening right now in, in Vietnam and outside of Vietnam. Um, but what I understand and what I realize is that it's okay to have different views on things and still be good friends. As long as we have the same value system, we have, you know, we respect each other and we um, have the, 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 the desire to, to learn about each other's views and perspectives. Uh, we can always be good friends and, 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 and even do business or be partners. So that's my view. And for a lot of Vietnamese people who have not been outside of Vietnam or who do not have the exposure to Vietnamese people overseas, um, their understanding is more limited. And, 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 and a lot of the, their perception about Vietnamese overseas is to maybe tweet out Paris by night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because that is the most popular Video. show uh, outside Vietnam that people here watch. And, yeah. and so they have only a glimpse of that. And I don't think they have uh, any strong notion, to be honest, um, because it's just not in their life. Mm -hmm. mm. Okay, well, look, on that note, um, it has been a very insightful conversation, very inspirational listening to you. Um, I just feel, you know, it's amazing what you're doing. So thank you so much for giving us the time to share what, mean, you know, cinemas, beta cinemas, min beta, who, and the whole things that you, you know, the work that you're doing in Vietnam. So thank you very much. And I hope to see you in, you. in Sydney and in Cabramatta. Thank you. I hope that I can come to visit yeah, soon, you know, yeah. once COVID is over. Or if you ever go back to Vietnam, let me know. We can hang out. I'd love to. I'd love to. Don't you worry. I'll reach out to you. <laughs> because okay. there's, there's so many things that I think we align in terms of uh, making an impact. And, you know, um, yeah, for me, it's about connecting, um, you know, Vietnam, Vietnamese like yourself with Vietnamese like myself um, and how do we create that bridge? Uh, it'd be great to, especially that there are business opportunities, I believe, that we have not been able to really um, tap into, that we can do better uh, between awesome. people like yourself and, and, and people like me. So thank you. Thank you. Okay. And let me take a, a photo with, uh, with yes. you in the screen so Absolutely. I can write a story for my feet. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Smile. Smile. How, how do you look? <laughs> I can't see. <laughs> you look good. Uh, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> uh, so uh, it was fantastic talking to you. Same here. So stay on the screen. So um, that was Min Beta uh, and joining us from Vietnam. I'm Dai Lee and you've just been listening to Dawncast here. If you like... Uh, stories like what you've just heard please make sure you click the link and subscribe to Dawncast uh, or if you know of stories such as what you've just heard like means sharing with us uh, send us an email and introduce to them and we'll hopefully ask them to be on Dawncast so that's it from me I'm Dai Lee see you next time bye bye so